When I was a teenager, I used to love this show. It was called 21 Jump Street. Anybody remember that show when you were a kid? Yeah, it was a great show. And uh, it was starring Johnny Depp before he was kind of that annoying pirate that we're all a little bit tired of. But, but this is a picture of Johnny Depp back in the day. And uh, man, this was the show that made Johnny Depp Johnny Depp, right? And I don't know if you can see the clothes he's wearing. It's like this was shot today. I mean, the kids today, everybody, they're wearing the clothes of our childhood, just so you know. It's back. It's a beautiful thing. And in the show, I remember there was one episode. I couldn't tell you any storylines except one. I just remember this one storyline about this one time when they were trying to help this one kid try to figure some things out. And so if you don't know the backstory of 21 Drum Street, it was basically a bunch of policemen that went undercover in high schools and pretend to be kids, and they would find other kids doing bad stuff, and then they would kind of bust them and that whole thing. And so they, had, they were on to this one guy, and then he just seemed off a little bit. And as they dug into his life a little bit, they began to discover he was this really religious person. He would like tell everybody they shouldn't do this or that, and he was kind of always carrying a Bible around with him, and he kind of looked like this really religious person. But as they dug into his life a little bit deeper, they also found he was doing some really horrible things. And I remember that there was this one scene uh, near the end of the show when they, you know, things were unraveling and they were chasing him, and, and he ended up out on a roof. And they find him out on this roof, and, and they go up to him, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And he's saying, you know, I, I've sinned. I've sinned so terribly. And he starts to talk about all these horrible things that he's done. And he starts to talk about this hypocrite that he had become. And it was just this interesting dynamic. You had this really religious-looking person on the one hand, but then this hypocrite he claimed to be on the other hand eventually as things unfolded. And as they looked a little closer, they saw he had bandages all over his hands. And they said to him, well, what, what's, what's wrong with your hands? And he said, well, I touched impure things, and so I burned my hands to punish myself. And he was standing up on this roof, and they began to realize he was there to jump off and take his life. And, and he couldn't deal with this, this religion he was trying to live, and yet this hypocrisy he ended up actually living. And if I remember correctly, it was a long time ago, but if I remember correctly, he actually ended up jumping off the roof and taking his own life. Because the truth is, both religion and hypocrisy are deadly. Both religion and hypocrisy are deadly, and both pop up in the chapter that we're going to be looking at here today. Religion is this whole idea of us trying to save ourselves or, or try to rescue ourselves or earn some favor from God, right? It's trying to figure out how we can undo all the bad things with some good things and, and try to make ourselves have a right standing or maybe a better standing before Jesus. And maybe you're here today saying, oh, no, not me, Doug. I am I'm a follower of Jesus. I know I'm saved. But, but like, like we brought up last week, sort of one of the themes of Galatians is, is this idea of Jesus end. It's this equation of Jesus plus something or Jesus and something can save me, you know? So it's kind of like we're trying to give Jesus a hand, right? We're trying to help him you know, make sure that we're really saved. And so we're going to do our part and we're going to make sure that we put in our effort to rescue ourselves from our own sin and shame as well too, right? You know, one of the things I love about our church is we have a lot of little, little ones right now. A lot of little people running around. It's so great. Little, little children, little kids. Our, our kids ministry and our nurseries packed out. And our youth pastor, Joey, and his wife, Jess, have these two little adorable twins, Mila and Sienna. And they're at this stage right now where they're getting incredibly portable. And one of the things they like to do is hide on you, okay? And so last Sunday, uh, Sienna and Mila were grabbing my wife and my daughter's hands, and they were going over behind the curtains. They were saying, hide, hide. And they're going, shh, shh, okay? It's really cute when they do it. If I do that, run. Okay, that's just creepy, right? But, but they... We're pulling them over there, right, because now they're getting portable, and they're walking around, and it's exciting. And some of you have kids that are at that stage of life where they're trying, remember the transition, they're, they're trying to get from the floor to the couch, 
You guys know that transition, right? And I'll tell you what, I remember when my kids were real little, it was like life or death for them. They would be at this kind of transition and they'd get themselves up about here and then it was just stalled out and legs started going like this, right? And now I don't know how I'm getting back up there, but now I'm going to look like that. But it was life or death. It was like, man, there was like a crocodile pit below them and God forbid they should fall into it, right? And, and, and then what would we do as parents? We'd give them just that little nudge, right? That little push to get them up over the edge. And some of us believe that we're kind of like that little kid who we're crawling our way toward heaven, man. We're doing all right. And if God could just give us the little nudge, we would have what we need to actually be saved. Is that true, though? Or is that religion? Is that a lie? Is that something that we've been fed, that we believe that we can try to somehow help God out? See, the truth is, is those of us who think we're doing a decent job and we're on our way toward heaven, oh no, we were drowning in the crocodile pit, everybody, right? And we needed rescuing. We needed a savior. And David said that God reached in to that slimy pit we were stuck in and pulled us out, right? And so I want to talk about this struggle that some of us have with religion. Anybody stuck in religion today? Anybody here trying to save yourself or rescue yourself or just perform so God likes you a little bit better? I want to see you find some freedom today. And then we have hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the other theme that jumps out in this chapter we're going to look at here today. And hypocrisy is, is basically the idea that we're trying to make ourselves look one way, but then we go and live the exact opposite way. And I want to say something loud and clear today. Hypocrisy is not struggling with sin. I hope you know that, right? There's a difference. Every, every one of us struggles with some type of sin in our life at different times, and, and every one of us is wrestling with some stuff today. But hypocrisy is not that. Hypocrisy is when you make yourself look like you don't struggle with sin when you actually do. That's what hypocrisy is, right? And in the chapter we're going to be looking at today, hypocrisy jumps out at us because there was someone who was living in a way that, man, they made themselves look one way in one moment, and then they look completely different in a different moment. And I want to talk about the freedom that we can find today. Because the truth is, I don't know if you thought about it this way, but what's at the root of hypocrisy? It's actually fear. Have you ever thought about that? It's actually the fear of man. It's the fear of people that's at the root of hypocrisy. And it plays out in two ways. The first way it plays out is we are afraid of what someone will think of us, and so they try to drag us to do something we know we shouldn't do. And because we're afraid of letting them down, we give in to that pressure, and we do something we know God doesn't want us to do, and we do some things maybe we tell others they shouldn't do, right? So we kind of have some fools in our life dragging us down some roads we're afraid to say no to, and it turns us into a hypocrite, right? But there's another way this plays out, too. Some of us, it's not really that we were influenced by somebody. No, we just have our own little secret sin that we've been given into. And because we're afraid of what people will think of us if we were real, if we were honest, and if we confessed to somebody who loved Jesus what we were doing, we were afraid that they would think badly of us. And so again, either way, you have the fear taking us down the roads we shouldn't go to, but, but, but we kind of keep that hidden, right? Because we're afraid to say no to the people. Or the people over here who would say, you know what, I can't tell anybody about the sin in my life because what would they think of me then? And so really, hypocrisy all comes back to the fear of men, the fear of what people will think of you. And I gotta tell you today, there's a better way because both religion and hypocrisy are truly prisons, right? Some of us in our lives, that hypocrisy is, you know, just tearing us down some roads we just don't wanna be on. You know, we're, we're the first person to tell somebody, hey, watch your mouth, but man, we're alone, watch out, you know? 
We get around that one group of friends, watch out. We're the first person to tell somebody they should forgive. And yet we have this cedar, or this hidden rather, um, chamber in our heart of unforgiveness that we've been carrying for a long time. Uh, we're the first person to tell somebody to be pure or to watch the entertainment that you, you watch and be, be careful with that. But, but we got our own little secret thing that we do off to the side, right? And I'm telling you right now, man, those are prisons. And, and in this series, we're discovering freedom. And so is anybody stuck there in that hypocrisy? Or in that religion. Or, like I said last week, is there anyone that you love that's stuck in one of those prisons? Because today we're going to discover, I think, a really, really relatable, practical way to break out of these, these prisons today. And there's a mindset that Paul wants to help us walk out of this room with today that can help us be free of these different prisons that we struggle with. What if we stopped trying to earn our salvation or earn some kind of merit before God? What if we were free of the fear of man which leads to hypocrisy one way or the other. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say we're so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time and somebody invited you and you're in church and you're not really sure if you want to be here, but here you are anyway, we are so glad you're here. And I just want to apologize to start off. And I want to say I'm so sorry if you ever met a Christian or someone who claimed to be following God that was really all about religion and all about trying to keep their own rules and, and didn't point you to the truth about who Jesus is. And I also want to apologize if you've met some Christians who were hypocrites. Because, man, that could really turn you off pretty quickly. And I will say, we're a bunch of imperfect people here in this room. But I hope today you'll help us, you'll find along with us, rather, the amazing freedom that Jesus offers us. And so we're going to work through some powerful verses here today. And so whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, Jesus offers a great freedom for you. So we're going to look in Galatians chapter 2. And as I said last week, this whole series on freedom is really the book of Galatians. We're just working our way through it. And we're not going through every verse, but we're really hitting the themes of Galatians. Today we're going to do Galatians chapter 2. And I just have to kind of start out by summarizing what happens here, because I don't want to read through every single verse here, because um, it's just not necessary to help us understand what the chapter is trying to say to us. But Paul, after following Jesus for like a long time, many, many years, he eventually meets up with Peter and John and some of the other followers of Jesus. And he's excited about this because he knows that if he meets these guys, they can help him in his influence. Like in other words, if people realize that Peter and John have accepted Paul, then his message is going to go further because people respected Peter and John. And so one of the things that comes out of this whole interaction is they're, they're going to help him out with correcting some wrong teachings. And guess what those wrong teachings have to do with? Our freedoms, right? Yeah, it it's, it's, has to do with our struggle to stay free from the religion from trying to save ourselves or rescue ourselves. And then we're going to see Paul kind of interact with Peter a little bit later when it comes to some hypocrisy. But one of the things, I mean, we're going to get real specific here. One of the things that people kept struggling with was keeping the law or keeping the rules, thinking that, man, they still had to do something. And there was this one group of people that had come against Paul and some of the followers of Jesus and said, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. If these new people, like Jesus came, died, rose back from the dead, right? If these new people claiming to follow Jesus haven't been circumcised yet, then they're not the real thing. Now, this is crazy because what we know about this is, man, circumcision was a huge Jewish tradition. In fact, all of Abraham's descendants were required to be circumcised. It was a sign between them and God. They were the real thing. And then when the law was given to Moses, the tradition was carried on or the requirement was carried on. And so you have these really ready religious people Looking at these other people saying, hey, Jesus set us free. It's not about what we do or don't do. It's not about the rules that we keep. It's not about fulfilling the law. We've been saved by grace. And so you have these people doing what? Trying to get people back into religion. Trying to get them back into saving themselves. Which is really funny because I don't know if you've noticed, we're really bad at trying to save ourselves, aren't we? 
Like if you're not a follower of Jesus here today or you are and you've been trying to, you know, figure out how to make God love you a little bit more, man, we're not so great at that. We're not great at keeping the law. I mean, I think about just the Ten Commandments. That's just a part of the commandments, by the way. That's a part of the law. Like there are hundreds of laws that you and I would have to keep to stand perfect before God. But let's just think about the ten, all right? The ten famous ones. I have broken eight of them. And now you're sitting there trying to remember them to figure out which ones I broke, which proves you're a mess too, all right? Now let me tell you, we, we, let's just throw the, the, the Ten Commandments and, and, and let's just put those aside for a minute. Let's just talk about it even in a more simple term, right? Just this idea we could save ourselves at all or we could even keep the slightest rule, right? Last Sunday I was talking with my friend Craig in the lobby. He said, oh, pray for my son. He's got his road test this week. And I looked at his son and right in the eyes I said, dude, Whatever you do, stop at that stop sign fully because that's why I failed my road test. And then Craig said, I failed my road test because of that too. And then we smiled and slapped hands because we were so excited about having the same failure, which I don't quite understand. But you know what? Later in the week, I was relating that story to somebody else, to another good friend, and that friend said, oh, man, you know what? In New York, I feel like 90% of people just roll through stop signs. And then he said, in fact, it's kind of annoying when someone actually does stop. And as we were talking and we're driving, a lady came from the opposite direction and stopped at the stop sign and waited. And he just looked at her and said, I got no time for this woman right here, right? (laughs) Guys, we can't even keep the stop sign law. And we're going to save ourselves? And we're going to rescue ourselves? You see, we have no hope when it comes to rescuing ourselves. Like if we're leaning back toward religion, we're in trouble. If we're leaning back toward trying to climb the couch and get the little push from Jesus if we need it here and there, man, we're in trouble. We need a savior. And that's the beautiful thing. Jesus came to rescue us and that's what Paul is trying to remind everybody. Wait, wait, wait. Why are you bringing it back to all the rules? Now listen, doing the right thing is important, but it's why you do the right thing. If you're doing the right thing today to try to save yourself, it's not going to work. But if you and I, if we're responding to the love of Jesus, if I'm saying, hey, I want to be faithful to my wife, I want to love my kids well, I want to lead the church well, I want to honor God with my speech, with my entertainment, I want to, because I love him, because he rescued me, because he didn't just give me a little push up on the couch, he ripped me out of the crocodile pit, well, now I'm doing the right thing for the right reason. But if you're here today trying to do anything to help you have a better standing with God, then man, you're in a prison called religion. And God has so much better for you and me than that. And so these people really found themselves back with that equation of Jesus and. Okay, trust in Jesus, but also be circumcised. Trust in Jesus, but also obey the law. And Paul explains a little more and more in verse four. He says this, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us Slaves. And so he says, hey, some people came in. They were trying to make us slaves again. They were trying to take us back to the law, and they weren't the real thing. And we have this theme of freedom popping up again. We have this theme of the sub-theme of people staying free popping up again. Is that you today? Are you just struggling to stay free, to lean fully on what Jesus did for you? Like that song we sang together today, Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay it part. He didn't pay a little bit of it. He paid it all so that you and I don't have to try to. Verse 5, I love this. Paul goes, we didn't give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Paul says, oh, don't worry. We stayed free, everybody. We didn't for a second 
believe that it was about keeping the rules. And you and I just need to know this, man. Circumcision or rule keeping or, you know, that works mentality or praying a certain prayer a certain way or, man, those things don't save us. Those things don't make us right before God. Then in verse 6, he says, As for those who were held in high esteem, he's talking about Peter and John, these, these apostles he had met, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God shows no favoritism or does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Now, Paul seems a little bit intense here, but really what he's saying is he's, I'm just, I'm just good, man. I know who Jesus is, and I know who Jesus says I am, and so I have no fear of man. And so I'm not going to let anybody influence me one way or the other, and so if you want me to be religious, I'm going to tell you, no, I know what Jesus did for me, and I'm going to stay free. And if you're going to try and, you know, you're, if you're a fool and you're going to try to drag me down a road I shouldn't be going down, I, I'm good. I, I'm free. I know who Jesus made me to be. I'm not going back to that prison. And I'm not going to let the fear of man take me there. Verse 7, on the contrary, he's talking about the, uh, the, the apostles here. He says, they recognize that I've been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, who are often known as the Gentiles or the non-Jews, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. And so what he's saying here is, hey, Peter and John, they saw that Jesus was at work in my life. And they told me to keep on going and keep on preaching. And then he says, so Peter went to the Jews and, and I went down to the Gentiles to try to tell them who Jesus is. A few verses later, Paul gets into this whole idea of hypocrisy full force. And so let me pause for a second and just ask you, are you wrestling with the law today? Man, be free from that prison. Well, how do I get free? We're going to see in just a minute. We're going to see what that mindset is. And it's the same mindset that sets us free from hypocrisy as well. So look what happens. When Cephas, now Cephas was another name for Peter, and so we know that Paul's talking about Peter right here. It says, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Wait, Paul, the guy who, remember last week, was a really bad guy and was persecuting Christians and killing Christians and then became a follower of Jesus. And Peter had followed Jesus the whole time. And I mean, Peter was like famous. Paul got in Peter's face about what? Well, look at what it says. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. What's the issue here? Peter was being a hypocrite. He was hanging out with the Gentiles, the non-Jews, the non-circumcised. And then all of a sudden, the Jews walked in and he said, oh, uh, those guys, not, not really sure who they are. I was, just, I was just giving them directions, man. They were looking for the pool and I helped them find the pool and they're good to go now, but not sure who they are. So, so let's go hang out, guys, right? What's that? Fear of man. Hypocrisy. I was one way before you're in the room, and I'm a different way after you're in the room, right? And so Paul gets right in Peter's face here, and he says, hey, what's, what's going on here? Why, why are you being one way and then another? Is that you or me today? Is somebody trying to lead us back into religion? And, and you know what? If they weren't in the room, we wouldn't be talking that way. We wouldn't be um, maybe judging the other people, who don't believe like us. Or, or maybe you'd say, oh, no, 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 Doug. You see, people aren't trying to lead me back into religion. They're trying to lead me down that road of hypocrisy. They're trying to lead me to the party. They're trying to lead me into bed. They're trying to lead me to the drink. They're trying to lead me to the drug. They're trying to keep me in my unforgiveness. They're trying to take me continually through cycles of gossip or, or hurt and anger and unforgiveness. No, that's where most of my people are leading me. Okay, well, let's talk about staying free from hypocrisy. It says this in verse 13, the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. This is the scary part, guys. We have to realize something today, that when we live a hypocritical lifestyle, we very often drag others down there with us, with us don't we? And as we walk through our office places, as we walk through our neighborhoods, as we, you know, hey, 
springtime or fall time hits and we're back at school, all that, all those environments, like we, we begin to drag people with us. And I don't know about you, but I have in my lifetime, I have dragged others into my sin with me. And it's a horrible place to be. It's a terrible prison to be in when you're bringing others along with you. And Paul is saying, hey, this is just a better way. What are we doing here? And then I love this, verse 14. Paul really explains it. He says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas or Peter in front of them all. I mean, this is intense. Paul's calling Peter out in front of everybody. You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? In other words, he's saying, you're letting this whole circumcision law thing dictate who you hang out with and how you act. Then he says, we who are, are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, he's being sarcastic here, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, here it is, that we may be justified or made just or made right by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. And so Paul calls Peter out on his hypocrisy. And it's incredible how often hypocrisy and religion are linked, isn't it? So often, why is, that like? why is it like that? Because when we're trying to save ourselves, we realize we can't, but we don't know what to do with that, so we have to hide it, right? And so here's Paul calling out Peter, going, man, you're, you're trying to push everybody back into the rules. You're being a hypocrite. You're being two-faced. There's something so much better. Peter, don't you remember we're saved by Jesus alone? And maybe some of you are in the room today just to hear that, that only Jesus saves Long Island is a really religious place and we got a lot of people who are on that road of works and we're trying to perform and we're trying to make ourselves look good before God. But only Jesus saves. Jesus saves you, not your works. My brother-in-law and I were walking or or driving into a church parking lot years and years ago together and we saw a sign and, and sometimes you go to a church and there's a sign reserve parking for pastor or whatever like that. And that's cool, that's cool. And, and I don't have one, that's, it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm fine with it, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. No, I don't want one, guys. Um, you can get me some Twizzlers and Dr. Pepper instead. But I, 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 we're looking at the sign here, and it was so funny, because this is exactly what the sign said. It said, only, Jimmy, only. I was like, wow, they really want to make sure Jimmy gets that spot, man. They put it only before and only after, that's pretty intense. Then we found out the pastor's name was Jimmy Only. We're like, oh, okay. So then we started to think, well, could you not choose a different first word then? You know, reserved for Jimmy Only, right? Parking for Jimmy Only. Only Jimmy Only. You know what, guys? When it comes to our salvation, though, it is only Jesus Only. I am cool with putting an only both before and after that statement. It's only Jesus Only. And Peter was getting tripped up. And he was getting a little bit confused. And maybe you do too. Guys, if Peter, if Peter, the guy who hung out with Jesus for three and a half years, then saw him raised back from the dead, if Peter could get a little bit confused in all this, I bet we can too sometimes. And maybe you were free. Man, you felt so free. But you've just run back a bit. Or maybe it's more of a hypocrisy thing for you. But Peter said, or Paul goes on in verse 17, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. And so Paul's just saying something real simple in kind of a confusing way. Maybe it's a, a language translation issue. Basically he's saying, look, we found something out, Peter, haven't we, that we need Jesus, that we're sinners too. 
And just because we found out we're sinners doesn't mean Christ is promoting sin or pushing us towards it. And it goes on in verse 18. And, and, and let me just explain a minute here. Paul now is trying to help Peter realize, hey man, we've worked so hard to help people realize Jesus alone saves. Now you're fighting against that. Look at what he says. He says, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul's saying to Peter, haven't we been telling everybody that Jesus saves and the law doesn't? So now what you're doing right now is you're rebuilding that law that we had destroyed, you know? Like that whole way that we were trying to, everyone's trying to save themselves. Like you're trying to rebuild that now. I've been doing a bunch of renovations in my home over the last several weeks and I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty tired. I've been working really, really hard. And I've done a lot of demo. And if I went home today and everything I had destroyed was rebuilt, I would ugly cry. I mean, it would be gross. There would be weeping and gnashing of teeth coming from Uncle Doug today if I walked through the door. And Paul's looking at Peter going, man, forget a month of work in a home. 14 years, Peter. I've been working at this. I've been trying to point people to the truth that they need Jesus and that the law can't save. And now you're hanging out with these people over here because you're worried about what they think of you hanging out with them because they're not trying to make themselves right by the law? Are we staying free? Are we staying free? Then, right here, I think Paul gives us the strategy, the mindset that we need. And so if you have related to me throughout this message and the struggle of religion or staying free from it, or if you have related to me through this message with the struggle of hypocrisy and being one way with one one group and one way with another group, then Paul's about to give us the answer really to both mindsets. And here's what he says. And man, if we could just learn to preach this to ourselves in the moments we're tempted to rely on ourselves or the moments we're tempted to go hang out with the fools and do something dumb or the moments we're tempted to keep our sin hidden instead of really being the real thing and being genuine and confessing our sin to somebody that loves Jesus. But man, if we remember this, it would change everything. Look at what it says in verse 20. Famous verse. You should memorize it. It's beautiful. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Peter, you remember this, right? Like that old us, that old Peter, that old Paul who used to be alive trying to save himself through the law, that old, that old Paul who was a mess trying to kill people and, and execute Christians. Like those guys aren't alive anymore, right? Now he's not saying this literally, but he's saying basically just like Jesus was crucified, I pretty much see it like the old me's been crucified too. And he says, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, whether it's a struggle against religion or hypocrisy, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's going, Peter, the old us is dead. The old us that used to rely on the rules to save us, man, Jesus died and was crucified and nailed to that cross, and that old us is gone too. And Peter, you know this whole hypocrisy thing going on with you right now? Man, that's not you. That's not the new you. That's not the saved you. That's not the raised to life you. No, Peter, we have to remember something, that that old us has been crucified, and there's a new us And that new us now lives because we have faith in the Son of God who loved us and saved us and gave himself for us, right? What would happen if in the moment you're tempted to try to keep another rule, not because you love God, but because you're hoping you'll gain some love from him, what would happen if you said, wait a minute, wait a minute, that old me that used to try to climb up the couch, that's that's not me anymore. There's a new me and I live by faith in the Son of God, not by what I can do or can't do. And what about... 
Oh, when that certain group walks in the room, a fear of man kicks in. Will I go down the road with the fools here? Will I, will I try to mess around with them? Will I make some bad choices today? Or will I go to my secret sin tonight and then keep it covered up and not let anybody know? And then I'm going to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, I was at church yesterday, man. Met with God. Yeah, cool. What was going on last night? Either way, I'm going to preach to my heart. I've been crucified with Christ. And I'm, I'm a new person. I'm a new person. I live now because of what Jesus has done. In fact, it's him who lives in me. And so, man, what can hold you down now? What can keep you stuck in a prison of religion now? What can keep you stuck in a prison of hypocrisy now? And so really, the truth is, is whether you're tempted to be a slave to the rules or a slave to the fools, it's the same answer. There's this new life I now have. And I don't have to give in to the rules anymore to think that they're going to save me. And I don't have to give in to the hypocrisy anymore. And I don't have to be afraid of anybody because I fear God. I revere this God. I love and know this God. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know, man, why do we take this seriously? Because this Savior came back from the dead. And this Savior, like this verse tells us, loves us and gave himself for us. And one preacher said it this way, if someone can publicly predict their own death and resurrection and then pull it off, I'm going with what he said. And if you're here today trying to figure out what you believe and why we can actually believe all this and why a bunch of people could sing our hearts out in this room that Jesus paid it all and we can lift our hands with no fear of men and not worry about who's around us or behind us or what they know of us or they don't know of us, man, it's because we have encountered a Savior who's actually alive. And we would love for you to encounter him as well. Paul closes Galatians 2 with this. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Man, Paul puts a big old exclamation point at the end of his argument, doesn't he? Peter, if we could keep the rules, if we could save ourselves, then Jesus was beaten and whipped and spit on and punched and had his beard ripped out and a thorn, a crown of thorns put on his head and horrific nails driven through his hands and feet and a spear into his side for, for nothing? Peter, let's remember all that he did to rescue us. And we're going to dive more into that next week. But today, if I could sum up chapter 2 here, it would go like this. Our new life in Jesus frees us from both religion and hypocrisy. I think that's what Peter, uh, Paul is saying here in Galatians chapter 2. That it's this new life. It, man, it frees us from both these prisons. We don't have to stay stuck on them anymore. And we've got to stop running back to them. And so when we're tempted to try to save ourselves, we have to remind ourselves, man, know that old me is gone. And there's a new me who lives by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when we're tempted to let our fear of man drag us down those roads we do not belong going down, we remind ourselves that us isn't alive anymore. That hypocrisy that tries to drag us into the bed we don't belong in, drag us in front of the scream we don't belong in front of, drag us into the conversation we don't belong in. I'm afraid. I'm just nervous of what they're going to say. All right, man. You could stay in that prison or you could walk free. And I encourage you today to just get in the habit, the mindset of, wait a minute, wait a minute, that old me is gone. There's a new me. There's a new me. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. That old me no longer lives. But now Christ lives in me, and a new beautiful thing is happening. 
Back in the One Big Happy Family series, my wife Kelly quoted um, an amazing story about Augustine. Augustine was a godly man, but had lived a, a bit of a wild lifestyle at one point in his life. And, and Augustine was walking down the street one day, and a, a prostitute that he had once lived with began to call his name, Augustine, Augustine. And he's walking down the street, and he, he, he sees her, and he hears her, but he just keeps walking. And he keeps his eyes straight ahead. And she keeps calling, Augustine, Augustine. And eventually, kind of upset, she says, Augustine, it is I. And Augustine finally turns around and looks at her and says, I know. It is no longer I. And that's what we have to preach to ourselves. When our, our friend group, Augustine, when our sin calls our name, when the rules call our name, that's what we have to remind ourselves. It is no longer I, but it is Christ who lives in me. You don't have to stay stuck in the prisons of religion or hypocrisy because this new life that Jesus came to give us sets us free. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, it would be so awesome if you put your trust in Jesus today, if you begin a conversation with him, if you put your hope in him. And we're going to continue in this series. And I realize sometimes we'll preach a message from the stage and you'll be like, but what about, but what about? And hey, first, love to talk with you if you have a what about question after the service. Absolutely. Don't want you walking out of here confused or upset, okay? Second, we're only in part two of the series and we're going to keep rolling and keep going through Galatians. And we'll probably answer your question as we go. And so we hope to see you back next week and with a friend. But man, I hope today you're encouraged. I hope today you're challenged. I hope you know today that man, maybe the call is big to run from your prison, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And we want to help you with that. And more than that, you have Christ who lives in you that wants to help you with that. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we'd love for you to put your trust in him today to begin that conversation and ask him to rescue you. Only Jesus, only. He's the only one who saves. Our new life in Jesus frees us from both religion and hypocrisy. Let's pray together. God, we need you because, um, man, these things are often calling our name. Religion is often calling our name. Hypocrisy is often calling our name. And we just need you so much, Jesus, to to keep us free, God. It's so easy to, to become a slave again. It's so easy to become a prisoner again. But we don't want to, God. That's not that's not our heart anymore because an old, an old us is now dead and a new us is now living. And God, we want to walk free. If you're a follower of Jesus and you can relate to that, that wrestle with that, that prison of religion, would you just bring that before God now? Would you ask him, oh, Jesus, just let me stay free. Let me stay free, God. I, I want to do the right thing, but not because I think it's going to change my standing before you. Oh, God, help me to do the right thing just because I love you. But take that whole weight of me trying to save myself out of the equation. Take the Jesus end out of the equation and let it just be Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus and you you relate more to the prison of hypocrisy or maybe you know somebody who does, would you pray about that? If it's somebody you know, would you be praying for them? If it's yourself, would you just ask Jesus to help you get over the fear of man, the fear of woman, the fear of your friend? the fear of that friend group, the fear of maybe confessing the sin that you've been struggling with with someone that you know loves Jesus that can help you through it. Just, just saying, oh God, I gotta get out of this. I gotta, I gotta, because Jesus lives in me, because there's a better way, I gotta get out of this and actually be and stay free. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you wanna begin 
conversation, a conversation with him today, I would encourage you to pray with me now. You could just silently pray. Jesus, thank you so much that there's a new me being birthed right now, God. That old me is a thing of the past. The old me stuck in religion or rules. The old me stuck in sin. Jesus, today I ask you to make me new. And now I want to live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Thank you for this gift of salvation. It is only you who saves. We're going to sing a song in just a minute, but I would just ask you to keep your, your heads down for a minute because I would love for an opportunity to just see if anybody put their trust in Jesus today. And if you've prayed that prayer in the past, you never have to pray it again. You look to Jesus as Savior once, and now you continue in a relationship with him. But if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, just so I could be praying for you this week, it'd be awesome if you looked me in the eyes real quick. Did anybody do that for the very first time today? Just shoot me up a quick glance so our team can be sure to be praying for you this week. Awesome. Anybody else? Thank you, God. So God, we're so grateful, and we love you so much. We pray, God, that every single person that looks to you today, Jesus, will find their freedom in your name.